Hello, and welcome to the Canopy Boulder podcast, where we talk about the intersection of entrepreneurship and investing in the legal cannabis industry. Each week, we'll give you our perspectives on the latest news in the industry, bringing you insightful interviews with entrepreneurs, investors, and the industry pros, and also go deeper on topics like launching a business, building a team, valuation, and pitching investors. Why would we take on such a challenge? Well, we've helped launch 80 companies into the cannabis industry here at Canopy Boulder and made over 100 individual investments into these companies. So you might say we have the inside line on things. So join us as we take you deeper into legal cannabis and uncover all the nuances of starting up and investing in the cannabis industry. Hello, thank you for joining the Canopy Boulder podcast today. Um, Today we're going to be talking about sort of the legal topics around starting up uh, in any industry, but obviously specifically about cannabis, that's what we talk about on this podcast. And we have Sean Stigler with us from Michael Best, and he is an expert really in this area, he's been doing this for a really long time. So Sean, will you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure. And uh... Not that long a time. Don't make me sound too old. <laughs> um, yeah, my name's Sean Stigler, and I started a firm called Modus Law uh, in the community here about 10 years ago, and um, we work largely with young and early-stage growth companies and then folks who invest in those types of companies, and recently we merged, uh, as you mentioned, with this great firm, Michael Best, uh, which is based out of my home state and has a big office in my hometown of Madison, Wisconsin, um, but also offices out here. So yeah, happy to be um, a big supporter of Canopy and all the things you guys do. Yeah, awesome. So, you know, Sean, you have done, what, tons of sort of early stage work, right, with early companies. Um, Give us a little background on kind of what brought you here, how you've gotten here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So as I mentioned, I'm from Wisconsin originally, and Took the plunge like so many of us and moved out to Boulder not knowing a single person and just really got enamored with the amazing startup community here from from day one. And when we started the firm, it was really, there wasn't that many big companies. And frankly, I really loved just that energy of entrepreneurs and all the different folks we got to work with. And so, yeah, I really tried to to create a brand and a focus on giving people um, a really good transparent educational experience early on. And then our hope was that we would have a client for life. And, and um, you know, largely some, some clients don't make it and some take investment from folks where they have to use their attorneys. But mm-hmm. in general, um, yeah, it's just been an amazing experience to, to be able to see so many of our clients and so many of our friends. Uh, I was just mountain biking with some on Friday. Um, go from literally sometimes their closet uh, <laughs> yeah. to, you know, 30,000 square foot facilities and um, dozens of employees. And just to be a little part of that in such a great community has just been a huge blessing. So, yeah, I, uh, I agree with you. I love, I love being at Canopy Boulder because I love being around all these entrepreneurs and all their energy is really great. And then on Friday afternoon, I get to go home. (laughs) (laughs) I do a bit of that myself. Which is kind of nice too, right? So it's a little bit of a best of both worlds. Absolutely. Um, Okay, cool. So, so here, what we're gonna do since we have Sean with us is we're gonna kind of talk about um, sort of some of the top things that 
startups should be thinking about, cannabis startups should be thinking about um, as they get moving. Um, so what do you what do you think? What, yeah. what are some of those top things? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think when you're forming a company, it's just like any other relationship. Um, in some ways, you'll spend more with your co-founders and other folks than anyone. So I think being really clear on on who's doing what and, and setting up sort of roles and responsibilities early in the process is is so important. I think we've seen just a lot of misunderstandings and miscommunications through the years break up or cause friction or cause people to leave really wonderful companies. And so I think you know a lot of the advice we give doesn't have that much to do with the law. We often tell our clients we're, we're effectively plumbers. Um, what, what the entrepreneurs are doing is the amazing thing. They're the architects. Mm-hmm. They're creating a new vision, a new company, a new app, a new um, clothing, you know, whatever. And the legal part's important, but it's really plumbing. Um, it's making sure the, the faucets uh, work and the toilets flush. Um, so I think starting off early on, just being really, really clear and really transparent with your co-founders on... Um, who's going to do what, and then creating then that legal structure that backs that up. So whether it's um, vesting um, or buy-ins or um, clearing, really being clear about um, if you're putting money in, who gets it back when, who gets to, to vote on mm-hmm, what. Mm-hmm. So I, I think those things are really key, um, especially with you know a lot of the folks we've worked with with you that. The other really big thing is intellectual property, making sure, I know on some of the other podcasts you've had Trademark and other IP folks, I think that's so important, mm-hmm. um, getting the branding dialed uh, and making sure you can actually use that brand without getting sued or getting mm-hmm. a cease and desist letter from someone. Um, we can t- tell you some horror stories there. <laughs> so there's there's that whole side of it is, is getting the brand queued up and again, it's not a big legal lift, but a, a little bit of help. Um, and you've had some great folks on the podcast with that. And then the other part is making sure the folks doing work for your company transfer the intellectual property to yeah. the company, whether yeah. it's founders or mm-hmm. independent contractors. Um, I think I think that's really key. So mm-hmm. so yeah, I think I think those are the main things. Um, I guess one other thing I would say, having been an accountant for a long time, is Getting a handle on that, your your burn rate, your expenses, getting, um, you know, you don't want to have a shoebox full of receipts at the end of the year, mm-hmm. um, and hope <laughs> hope for the best. So so yeah, I think um, getting that part really yeah. So as well. more sort of setting yourself up from day one to not run into kind of future legal issues, um, you know, if over intellectual property exactly. or who, who's getting paid what or what that vesting schedule looks like, um, sort of getting your house in order right exactly. before you're busy and things are crazy and yep. there's millions yeah. of dollars on the line, right? <laughs> and as you, you know, as you go through the life cycle, if you're raising capital or, or go to sell, um, that intellectual property is, you know, first and foremost, super, super high profile with either your investor or your purchaser, making sure that's dialed. Um, the other thing we're seeing a lot lately in deal work and, and investor work is the Fair Labor Standards Act and making sure overtime mm-hmm. rules are being mm-hmm. complied with or mm-hmm. the exemptions are right. That's That's been really um, a high issue. So even though you think, oh, we're just a bunch of um, early stage entrepreneurs, we'll just wing it, 
uh, making sure you have some of that stuff dialed in and um, the right documentation and the right exemptions is, a, is another thing that's really flaring up. Yeah, for sure that makes sense. Um, what about, have you done much work with cannabis industry? In we case? have, yeah. yeah. So um, our firm, you know, we worked with quite a few of Mm-hmm. Obviously, your companies and, and you as well. Um, but we've really, we don't work in the regulated space. We tend to be more in the ancillaries mm-hmm. and um, follow on. So, yeah, probably, I don't know, 25, 30 companies okay. in that space. Is there anything different? I mean, yeah. Um, there's certainly, um, you know, in the regulated space, it's very different. Um, in our space, choice of, um, um, choice of domicile where you're going to start your company mm-hmm. um, certainly has some impact, um, as I think other guests have alluded to. Being able to trademark things on a federal level is tricky. So Colorado and other states where it's legal, there is um, you can do some straight state trademarking, and there is ways to navigate um, the federal trademark. So. There's some nuance. Um, there's also a lot of times privacy issues for investors. Some folks have to be really careful about what they invest in. And so creating a, an investment structure or entity structure where you don't necessarily have to really publicize who's all involved mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. can be really helpful. And that happens in other companies too, but um, that's a, a particular one in the cannabis industry. So okay. and then of course, um, and I'm sure you guys deal with it, we, we deal with it as well, just um, the banking and those issues, I'm, I know. Um, I'm really hoping. Uh, so, I mean, so many of our ancillary clients, we've, we've actually had to create some, some other banking relationships just to deposit those checks, even though it might just be a light company or something yep. just because of the name. So, um, yeah. so hopefully, I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful that um, whether it's, you know, creating some organizations, getting some some common energy pooled together. We just we have to be able to figure that out because, I mean, the the analogy I give is obviously a lot of the money goes to schools and education, mm-hmm. and so our bank's not going to take money from schools. You yeah, know, I mean, right, it, right. it gets a little silly at some some juncture, so we have to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. I was looking at a, a graph the other day that was showing sort of the number of banks that have that are now sort of accepting. It is a very small portion of their assets, uh-huh. right? Um, but cannabis companies, and it's and it's growing. I mean, it's definitely growing. So yep. we'll see. We'll see and what we'll, happens. And I think we'll get to a critical mass, just like we were talking before yeah. the the show. I mean, just like once once we either get some guidance or it just gets to a level of absurdity, and or you know we keep getting more and more states mm-hmm. um, legalizing. Um, I, I think it'll just get to that tipping point, hopefully, because it's just, it's unsafe, uh, you know, right. for a lot of reasons, and it's just a pain. Um, so yeah, hopefully folks mm-hmm. will listen. Interesting. Okay, so what about, um, talk to us a little bit about uh, incorporating. Yeah, absolutely. That's a question I think we get asked a lot. Kind of, absolutely. How do you choose where to incorporate or how to incorporate? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think for most companies, the the fork in the road is is generally limited liability company or corporation, mm-hmm. um, uh, C corporation, and um, you know it can be a little bit of a a challenging a challenging decision. Um, so LLCs is, is what we call or are what we call pass through entities. So there's only one layer of tax. They're really flexible. Um, you can have all different different types of ownership. 
um, types and structures. And so they're really great. Um, the, the big problem with them is uh, institutional investors mm -hmm. won't invest in a pass-through entity or a LLC. And so... And tell us why. Tell yeah. Us why. So um, there's a... I mean, there's a couple of reasons. The, the main one is something called phantom income. So what can happen if you're an institutional investor and you invest in an LLC is you can be forced to recognize all this income on your books but not actually get any cash because regardless of whether or not that LLC spits out cash to the to the owners you're taxed on on your pro rata share of the revenue mm -hmm. and so that's that's a risk um, generally uh, uh, institutional investors don't want to take and there's mm -hmm. there some other reasons as well um, um, but but that's kind of the big one right. and so so the you know, you hear this term or this phrase in the venture community called a, a lifestyle business. So sometimes if a client's really debating, you know, we might never take capital, um, you know, we might we might not sell, um, then sometimes the LLC can make a lot of sense because they lock in at effectively, you know, 40% of the tax rate um, or half the tax rate of a C corporation. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if it's just... I don't know, uh, an ongoing business that's not going to have a lot of capital raises, it can be a really good sure, option. Sure. Um, the other thing about starting as an LLC is you can always start as an LLC and convert to a C corporation later. It's, it's very easy, uh, unless, and we of course would guide folks through this, but unless you do certain things, the conversion is the kind of thing we often do in a couple days, mm -hmm. even from a Colorado LLC to a Delaware corporation. Mm -hmm. um, we prefer to have a little more time, but mm -hmm. if, if it's a pinch and, and uh, folks are lining up to invest, we'll do it. So um, so if, if you're just going to exist in perpetuity without an institutional investment and possibly without a stock sale, LLCs can be a great option. Conversely, if you really start off knowing you're you're going to want to attract institutional money or go through a program, you know, like TechStars or Canopy mm -hmm. or something like that, um, then a C corp uh, can be, you know, just just a better option. You just go straight to it. And there's many famous folks in this town uh, who've had broadcasts longer than or blogs longer than I've been here. Um, that will say just start as a C corp, mm -hmm. um, and so you know we really like to educate folks and really look at the variables because it's it's not always a one size fits all, especially with LLCs having much better liability protection and clarity and stuff mm -hmm. than they they started. Um, the other interesting thing about a C corp, um, which I won't make everyone fall asleep today, but there's <laughs> what's called QSBS qualified small business stock, and um, if you do certain things and um, sort of structure things correctly, there's a way to really shield a lot of gain if you were to ever to sell the company yeah. um, down the road. And so more and more, our clients who are looking that they might have that type of exit, there's a, a clock that has to start ticking. And so that's another variable we look at. Um, however, conversely, and I promise this is my last nerdy tax thing, <laughs> uh, if that company sells the assets, um, then there's a double taxation if you're a C corp. So, mm -hmm. and a lot of sort of small and mid market exits, as I think your prior guests have talked, tend to be asset sales because the buyers don't want to take on all the all the liabilities and all the mm -hmm. responsibilities. And so that's why you know I'm I'm hopefully not obfuscating this too much, but 
you just you do really have to look at it on a case by case basis, and it's also why sometimes companies will create like an IP holding company or a couple different types of entities, an operating company, but then one company just to hold the intellectual property. And you know sometimes folks think that's just lawyers trying to be lawyers, but it, it can actually serve both a really good liability protection purpose and also a great tax strategy. So yeah, awesome. Cool. All right. So, you know, I think incorporating is definitely a question we get a lot. Um, I guess, I think here I want to switch gears a little and maybe mm -hmm. talk about some of the mistakes that we've seen entrepreneurs yeah. make, right? If, if I'm an entrepreneur and I'm sort of starting today, um, what can I do or think about to be sure that, you know, a year, two years, five years from now, I'm not regretting yeah. something that I've done? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I think, boy, a few things. One, again, just to focus on something non-legal, I think doing a business plan of some nature mm -hmm. is a really good idea. Um, just really making sure your economics work and thinking about where blind spots might be. I think that's, that's sort of job one of an entrepreneur, and I, I think it can save a lot of headache. From a, from a legal standpoint, um, there's a couple things. One, uh, taking money from the wrong people early. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes you get really nervous, and, and even sometimes taking money to early period, um, you know, bootstrapping is painful. Um, I, I'm a podcast nerd, and so there was one the other day, and I was, uh, there's a great quote where money and investment is like carbohydrates. You, you burn it off, and it feels good, and you can mm -hmm. do all this stuff. Versus bootstrapping is like building muscle, um, and it you know it sort of takes resilience, and you have yeah. to learn things. And I thought it was a really good analogy. Yeah, and so, like both taking money too early um, before you you really know a good use for it, and then taking it from the wrong people. Mm -hmm. um, we've uh, <laughs> I don't want to go into it, but boy, some of the deals I've seen after the we've come in, um, just really onerous terms and and all sorts of rights that are just not market, and it can really have a chilling effect on yeah. getting good investors to follow on, and then you have yeah. to negotiate with those initial folks. So that's that's a tough one. Um, Bet your investors, everybody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we have a podcast episode on that. Go find it. <laughs> yes, listen to it. Um, no, and, and we're so fortunate here in, in this community. We have such a great investment community. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, 99% of people are amazing and really want to just mm -hmm. grow the community and, and be supportive. But but there's 1%. Um, uh, some of the folks you see on, on TV shows. Um, <laughs> the other thing, which is a little myopic again, but... Um, you know, we really, we often use convertible debt or safes or things of that nature to not necessarily peg a value of the company early, speaking and talking of money. So, you know, the analogy I always give our clients is you have the, the rich aunt who says, hey, I love what you guys are doing. Uh, I'll give you a million dollars for 1% of your company because I don't, I don't really need the money. I just want to support you guys. So here's a million dollars. Give me 1%. Well, um, which if I could find that ant, I'd really yeah, like to right. find her too. Yeah, I but. wish I had that <laughs> ant. <laughs> um, but, but what you did, what you, you told the IRS is that your company's worth $100 million mm -hmm. by doing that. And so then when you go to give a, a developer, a coder, or someone else equity, you've created this exceedingly high value of the company, which I won't go into the details, but they have to pay taxes on that. Mm -hmm. um, and so just things like that, just being a little thoughtful, not not ready, shoot, aim. Um, 
The other thing I would say, uh, again, is, is having some sort of vesting or right to repurchase, depending on how you structure your entity. Um, so often you have you know two, three, four co-founders or a couple other folks and everyone's really gung-ho and then uh, someone gets an offer to go work at Google or a different startup or whatever mm-hmm. and now all of a sudden that equity's still out there and you don't have a right to get it back um, or it's out there forever and it can really mess up um, your, what we all call your cap table. Right. So as, especially as sophisticated investors start to follow on uh, and invest later, you know, they love it if there's three or four owners of a company and that's it. Yep. When there's 40 or 50, um, right. that can really have a negative effect. Yep. Um, or if the people aren't involved or are troublemakers or difficult, um, it, it can kill a deal. So just, again, being thoughtful about how you give out equity, when you give out equity, to who, and then being able to get it back, I think is yeah, so important. For sure. Um, can't tell you how many headaches. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, as I, I think I mentioned, um, just really keeping your books and records and getting all that stuff tight early on. Yeah. Um, I, I think it sounds petty, but if you're going to try and get venture debt or venture money or an institutional money, they, they really want to make sure uh, everything's tidy. And so that, that corporate hygiene, both financially and, and legally, is, is really important. And it doesn't cost much from a legal standpoint. It's just sort of blocking and tackling sure. for the entrepreneur. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've run into that before. Have when you? We've, we've, you know tried wanted to make investments in people and they sort of show us their cap table and we're like (laughs) (laughs) like oh (laughs) who's gonna spend all this time cleaning this up you know um well and oftentimes what what we have to do um say there's 25 folks you'll have to actually create an entity for all of those people go into one entity um and then that one llc is an owner and, and that way it kind of keeps the institutional investors from having to deal with 25 people. They just deal with one LLC one entity, and one yeah. vote mm-hmm. and, and it's a little easier. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah, for sure. I think, and one other quick thing, just um, since we're chatting about it, I think especially our our app clients and our, our sort of especially consumer facing clients where we're collecting data um, and, and, and all of those issues is just, a lot of times our clients will come to us after they've cut and paste a privacy policy or a terms of use mm-hmm. from you know, Instagram or yeah. something, <laughs> like has nothing to do with their business. And, and so again, it's not a huge lift, but um, data privacy, data security, you know, that stuff is so important now. Yeah. Um, GDPR. Exactly. Yep. And a lot of folks think, oh, I'm not in Sweden, so it doesn't matter. Well, you'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's not... As I mentioned, it's not my area of expertise. We have a, a great team for that, but um, but yeah, that's that's another thing we see in either institutional investment or the M and A world. That's getting to be a really big focus. Is have you had any breaches? Mm. You know, show us all the history. What um, show us your historical privacy policies and just making sure, because especially with some of our our clients, we both know. So the data is actually the value proposition. And so if you don't have the right to use that the way yep. you want and and or if you have exposure to lawsuits um, or um, 
just you know a lack of access to that, your value proposition goes down immensely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know what's interesting about all of this is it all sort of boils down to something we talk about a lot, which is uh, getting a good lawyer <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> from the beginning. Uh, we, I mean, we talk about it all the time, and it's it's funny because it's it's getting a good transactional attorney, mm-hmm. right? It's not your divorce attorney, right. your you know, a state attorney, yeah. you know, it's like a transactional attorney who knows what they're doing mm-hmm. um, and can help you sort of organize all that stuff right from mm-hmm. the beginning so that you're not having to sort of spend the money on the back end Absolutely. Right, getting it fixed. So No, and it is one of those things. I mean, another thing I tell our clients all the time is an ounce of prevention goes further than a mm-hmm. pound of cure is like literally legal and accounting matters. It, it's written for that. And again, we're in such a good community whether um, it's accountants or CFO types or um, branding folks, like everyone's so willing. I was just at an event at the law school about Give First and Brad Feld and Sam mm-hmm, and all these mm-hmm. great folks were there. And it's like, we're really lucky. Um, mm-hmm. We're in this great community where if you have a good idea and, and you, you ask for some help, people are going to give you help. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's off the clock guidance, mm-hmm. um, I can't tell you how many either clients or friends of clients where we spent an hour with them, just kind of giving them some advice, giving them some guidance, giving them some clarity and maybe nothing happens for a year mm-hmm. or maybe, you know, their, their friend responds, uh, reaches out in a year. Um, so I, I think being There's proactive and reaching yeah. out. Yeah. And so many of us, you know, if it's not something I do, um, I'll find someone who does. Or mm-hmm. um, if you need a good, like I said, accountant, or you're looking, you know, the folks in this town from a creative standpoint, whether it's branding or logos or um, web designers, there's so many amazing folks. And mm-hmm. so we all just want to help. Um, so reach out and people will take care of you. Cool. Well, um... I, I mean, I think that's all my questions. Awesome. You, if you have anything else to add, please do. No, I, good. I think that's great. Yeah, thanks for having <laughs> us. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, thanks for Thank all you Thank you do. so much for joining us. Uh, so appreciate your insight into le- the legal of being an entrepreneur. Um, thank everybody for joining us. Make sure that you sort of check out our website, see what we're up to. Um, we've got some events going on in the next few months. Um, we'll be in Vegas at MJ Biz. So come by and see us at the booth. We're booth, uh, I think, 3132. <laughs> I should double check. Um, and uh, we'll see everybody next time. Thanks so much. Thanks, Sean. Of course. Thank you. Now for the disclaimers. Uh, please do not take any information from the Canopy Boulder podcast or its guests as investment advice. Be sure to contact your licensed financial advisor before making any investment decisions. So thank you for listening and please join us for another Canopy Boulder podcast episode coming to you soon.